You're listening, you're listening to, you're listening to Not Your Average Culture, a podcast geared towards promoting less consuming and more doing, where I discuss topics related to dating, lifestyle, creatives, and entrepreneurship. This podcast will challenge you to open up your mind, think about things differently, and ask yourself, am I doing it for the culture or doing it for myself? I'm your host, Chardonnay. Let's get to it. Thanks for tuning into the Not Your Average Culture podcast. This week's episode falls under the lifestyle category. I got a chance to chat with Adanta about how she was able to make the career switch from the insurance industry into the nonprofit tech industry. Now, what I love about this episode is traditionally we see and hear stories of how people stay in a certain work field for five to 10 years, or in some cases, 30 plus years. For the fear of taking the leap or for whatever personal reasons people choose to do so. In this case, Adanta shares her experience about making a career switch that aligns more with her passion to give back and help others. In this episode, she shares some great insight on mentorship she received and some of the exciting work that she's doing. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. So I am rolling on this end. So let's just get started. Before I jump to the interview, um, I often like to share with listeners how I met the guests that I will be interviewing. So everyone, I first met Adanta while I was working at an event being held for nonprofits in Oakland. And it's so crazy how the universe works because I was literally looking into the Europe program for my cousin and I about two weeks prior uh, to that event. And then when Adanta and I crossed paths and she told me what company she was working for, I was like, oh my goodness, this must be a sign. Like, let me just exchange contact information with her and um, sit down and chat with her. So that's exactly what we did uh we met up for tea uh we talked we laughed we shared both of our stories and let me tell you adanta like you have been so nice so warm and welcoming since we first exchanged numbers like you hugged me like the first encounter that we had with each other and then when we sat down you gave me some really good advice and even just from like rescheduling this interview you have been a very nice person. So I'm happy that we crossed paths. And I know my experience with you is only, it only speaks to a piece of the type of person that you are. So with all of that being said, can you please share with listeners who you are and explain to them a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so uh, my name is Nata Hanamu, and I am the site director at Year Up Bay Area at our site in Diablo Valley College in the East Bay. Um, and as a site director, I oversee our site's overall program activities, our growth strategy, and our performance to ensure high-quality program outcomes for our young people. Um, I also serve as a primary liaison between Year Up and our senior-level administrators at our college partner um, to ensure there's alignment between Year Up strategic goals and DDC strategic goals as we continue to serve young people throughout the community. Nice, nice. So I understand that you are a site director at Europe. Can you uh, share exactly what Europe is? Absolutely. 
Um, SCRAP is a national nonprofit, and we work with uh, young adults from underserved communities between the ages of 18 and 24 and help them go from minimum wage jobs to meaningful professional careers in tech in just one year. And so students do the first six months of program taking hands-on professional and technical skills training. And then after that, that they get by all the skills they've been learning, have a six month internship at a top company in the different cities that we're in around the country. Um, and the goal by the time that our young people graduate is that they are epic, um, which for us that means empowered, professional, in demand, and career ready. Um, and so that they have now had this opportunity to continue uh, their higher education plans and also continue into, uh, again, a professional uh, job in the tech, the tech world. Wow, that's what's up. So, what are some of the the companies that um, the, the participants are enrolling into after the program? Like, what are some of the companies that they're working with? Um, so we are very lucky that they are top companies uh, around the country. And so companies include Salesforce, Google, Facebook, Bank of the West, GE Digital, Bank of America, uh, Facebook, Airbnb, and I can go on and on. So these are really incredible uh, organizations and companies that our young people have the opportunity to intern at and prove uh, how talented they are. And then so much of the time in those six months, these companies say, wow, this is the talent that I want in my workplace. And our young people then get hired um, where they're making a uh, salary plus benefits, which is huge and really just transformational from where often uh, they are before. That is so dope. Like, I wish I would have came across this a lot sooner because that is so cool that, you know, you can enroll into this program, they directly train you, and then you get to work at a dream company. Like, what more could you ask for? Now, how do um, students or participants, how do they find out about your program? Yeah, so um, I would say there's three primary ways that young people find out. Uh, so the first is that we have a recruitment team, and so that recruitment team has been most of their time externally facing out in the community, going to community-based organizations, faith-based um, organizations, going to high schools and presenting especially to juniors and seniors about the Europe program, um, connecting with uh, community advocates and community leaders to spread the word. Um, and so that is uh, one bucket of where our young people tend to hear about the program. Um, another is online. So we have different uh, ways with our marketing team that we are on social media um, via Facebook ads, Instagram ads. Um, we do sometimes Facebook live videos to help uh, young people get to understand through their friends. Um, a young um, often our young people will actually post about the Europe program on their own social media, and that will then draw in um, Others who are in their network want to learn more and see, wait, how did that person be able to go from this job to that job in just one year? If that person can do it, I can do it. And so that has been a trend. Um, and then the biggest way kind of connected to what I just said uh, that young people hear about your app is through word of mouth, right? So through sister's cousin's best friend, someone they actually have to pass, you know, by at a store that they haven't seen in years that they went to high school with, um, you know, a friend of a friend, an aunt, a grandmother, a cousin, a grandpa, a dad. So um, it's such a mix, but a big piece has been word of mouth. And it's because, you know, our young people prove that it works. And so when those around them see that, they want to then join in the movement as well. That's what's up. Um, like I said, when I was looking into it, um, it was for initially me and then I'm like wait a minute this is dope like let me let my cousins know let me let my auntie know let me let whoever I can know know about this program because it sounds pretty cool now what does a typical day in the life of Adanta looks 
look like for a site director? Definitely. Um, so I'll start with, so I'm a morning person. Um, so a typical day in general starts with me waking up around 5.30 in the morning and heading to a morning spin class because that's how I get my energy um, and my coffee is, is <laughs> working out. Um, so I'll start there. And then um, after that, you know, I come home, shower, change, and then get on the road, uh, get to work typically by 8. Um, and then usually I'm in meetings most of the day. So um, meetings vary from meeting with our young people and having one-to-ones with my coach. Um, it might be one-to-ones with staff that I manage um, on my team and helping discuss, you know, what's on their plates, um, what are specific things on their small role that they're owning, and um, how can I be a thought partner to help them uh, continue to do great work uh, with their young people. Um, it could be actually a team meeting with myself and some other colleagues across uh, the Bay Area, even across the country, where we're collaborating and understanding um, how do we move specific projects that we're working on forward or giving uh, each other staff supports on specific work that we have planned. Um, so that's most of my day is kind of jumping between meetings. And then typically by the end of the day, um, like around four to five, once my meetings cool down, I might uh, do like another hour of work where I kind of catch up on some emails for the day. Um, before I head out. So that's kind of a typical day. Um, I love being busy. And so the schedule works for me. And um, I also find time in my day where I will uh, call it my like work block time, mm-hmm. uh, um, which is when I might look at my under a week ahead of time and say, okay, next week, I know that I'm in our San Francisco office on Tuesday. And therefore, I probably won't get as much work done. And so the next morning on Wednesday, I might block off like an hour and a half on my calendar so someone can't block that time for me and uh, that will be called like my sacred work block time so that that allows me to also work on like some bigger projects that take some uh, longer thinking time that's what's up so I know initially you were working in insurance can you walk us through the steps you took to make the transition from insurance into the nonprofit area yeah absolutely um so I studied uh, business in undergrad. And so when I finished uh, college, I decided to continue in that business track and decided to go work for an insurance company. Uh, very exciting, I know. <laughs> um, but I was very fortunate to um, be surrounded by about 60 other recent graduates. And we were all part of this Future Leaders uh, two-year business rotational program. Um, and so through that experience, uh, many of us had the opportunity to not only focus in our primary uh, functional role. Uh, but one thing we were all very fortunate fortunate um, to have is that the company we worked for was really big on giving back to the community. Um, and they did that in a variety of different ways and were really great at acknowledging that and sharing opportunities for others to get involved. Um, and so I've always been someone that has loved giving back to my community. And through uh, uh, working at this organization, I started volunteering uh, with the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. And so once a week, I would go to an elementary school to visit my little, um, who I'm still very close with to this day. Um, I also would mentor at a high school uh, twice a week um, after after work. And that opportunity also started getting me really energized about working with young people even more. Um, and then I would always support every year with our uh, company's United Way campaign and help raise funds. Um, in the month of October uh, for that. And so through those different experiences, uh, my heart started feeling more and more attached to the work with young people and really thinking about like, how do we close this opportunity divide, opportunity gap that I'm noticing? Um, And 
at a certain point when I would talk to friends or family and they would ask me like, how's life? I would spend like 80% talking about the young people I was working with outside of work and like Mm -hmm. 20% talking about my work and insurance. And so the more that happened, people started asking like, are you sure you're in the right field? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like insurance, like my path is straight. You know, it's really clear. It's pays really, you know, it pays really well. I have amazing benefits. Um, I really actually loved the people that I worked with. I felt very lucky to um, be led by some really great managers who I learned a lot from and some really great colleagues. Uh, but at the end of the day, I was starting to realize like, oh, the work just isn't as rewarding. It's not giving me that excitement that I'm getting when I leave work and I go and work with these young people and see just these transformations in such a short amount of time. Um, and so the more I started realizing that and talking to different mentors, I started deciding like, okay, I think I actually might want to make the leap. And, uh, you know, one of the best advice that a mentor gave me is they said, you know what, Adanta, insurance will always be here. Like people are always going to get into accidents. So it's always going to be natural. Like, unfortunately, insurance will always be here. So you can always come back <laughs> if you ever leave and decide um, that, you know, insurance is calling your name. So no worries about that. Um, And then at the time, another mentor said to me, you know what, you also right now are only responsible for yourself. You know, you don't, you're not married, you have kids. And so this is the time to try and make that move because once you have a family, it'll be a lot harder to just kind of uproot your family or change your your career trajectory so quickly because you have to think about so many other people. It's not that it can't happen, but you just have to think about so many other people. So then at that point, I realized it was, you know, it was time to make a change. And so what I started doing was just doing a ton of research on different organizations and just really learning about their mission and their work and their outcomes um, and understanding what their growth strategy looked like. Um, you know, I started to realize that there were specific things that I was looking for. You know, I, I specifically wanted to work with an age group that was 18 to 24 um, or around that, you know, senior year of high school or after. Um, I realized that is a community I thought I could have the largest impact in. Um, I realized that I wanted to work for a national nonprofit organization um, because I knew that one day I might want to leave Boston, which is where I was at the time, to um, move somewhere else. And I wanted it to be in a major city because I knew that right now that's the type of environment that I felt like I really thrived in was being in major cities. Um, I knew that I wanted it to be an organization that had been around um, for several years and that um, had had some stability, but at the same time was still growing and was rapidly growing. So that innovation was part of its culture. Um, and so as I started to like refine more and more of what I was looking for, um, one of the organizations I stumbled across was Year Up. And um, once I learned more about the organization, I reached out to uh, another uh, mentor who I found out used to actually do some work for Year Up. Um, she connected me to someone and got to learn more about the organization, attended the Europe graduation, and was like, this is where I'm meant to be. Um, I signed up to be a Europe mentor that day. Um, after a few months of, of being a mentor and uh, witnessing my, um, my mentee uh, graduate the program and get hired at her internship at State Street and then continue to also go back to school, I realized like that this is where I want to be. This is the organization that I'm meant to be at and just waited until the right opportunity came up. And a few months later, uh, it did, uh, an opportunity for recruitment manager. And uh, so many of the skills that I had in my uh, current role at the time in insurance were very transferable to uh, that role as a recruitment manager. And so kind of the rest is history. I went through the interview process. It all worked out. And now, five years later, here I am, still at Europe and loving it. That's what's up. That is was up that you had, like, the mentorship to help you uh, through that whole process. Now, how did you go about getting the mentors that, you know, helped support you along your journey? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's definitely been a mix of ways. So when I think about some of the mentors that I just mentioned, um, you know, one, her name is Shiny James. Another is Stacy Godnick. Um, so Stacy, I met uh, when I was still a senior in high school and I um, went to Boston University to visit the school. And she is... Um, she is one of the uh, assistant deans at the College um, of General Studies, and so I had an opportunity to sit down with her, and we immediately just vibed and connected, and she basically said, like, you're going to go to Boston University. Like, we are going to reach out to financial aid. We're going to, like, do some things. We're going to make sure this is, like, where you end up. And so she really <laughs> did. She even went as far as, like, reach out to my dad on the phone, but at the time still contemplating, like, is it financially worth it? And um, is there more that they can do in terms of scholarships, grants, and financial aid to ensure that I would still be able to go? And so she made that call to my dad to do everything in her power to make sure I could end up at Boston University. And so from then on, you know, she kind of took me under her wing and every few months I would meet in her office and we'd check in and she'd ask me how I was doing and, you know, what do I think I want to study? And, you know, at one point I said, I think I want to major in international relations and minor in business. And she said, well, you know, there's an international business major in the business school. Why don't you just combine that and do that there? And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. So she really helped coach me throughout my journey in college um, and still to this day um, is a mentor. And I, I got to actually see her a few weeks ago when I was in Boston. Um, Shiny James, so my sophomore um, in college, I applied to be an orientation leader. Um, so I've always loved helping acclimate people to new environments. And I thought, wow, what a perfect opportunity to do that for a summer. Um, and she was she is and was the director of uh, orientation. Um, and so she was one of the people that I had to interview with and actually ran the entire program. And so throughout the summer, I became closer and closer to her and just really um, inspired by her leadership and her mentorship of not only me, but of like literally dozens of other young people. She just loved challenging us both personally and professionally and helped us really think about like our why. Like why are you studying X? Like why do you show up in this way? And really helping us understand and like refine our professional brand. Um, and so she's another one so to this day I've always just admired her and gone to her uh, for both advice throughout college when I had questions and when I was challenged with different situations. Uh, but then post-college, she was one of the people especially I reached out to when I was trying to think of, like, should I make that jump from insurance to nonprofit? And she really didn't tell me what to do, but just would help kind of me talk it through and would kind of weigh, help me weigh out the different, you know, pros and cons of each. Um, and kind of since then, like other mentors in my life, similarly, it's uh, you know, we'll, we'll meet in past and we'll find that we connect in different ways. And then, um, you know, every every few months or every other month, we'll try and meet up for coffee or jump on the phone if they're not local. Um, and I'll kind of just run through kind of what's going on in my life or something specific that's on my mind that I want to chat with. And um, often so many of my mentors, you know, kind of transformed into like friendship um, because so many friends, right, can, friends can also be mentors in that way. And I still am really grateful that those folks have always again, pushed and challenged me and not only helped me recognize the areas I need to grow in, but it also really helped me understand the strengths I have that maybe I didn't realize I had, that it helps guide me and helped me be really strong in the work I get to do today. That's what's up. And it's always, I think it's nice to have someone like that you can talk through situations when you're encountering them. That way uh, yeah. you get an outside perspective of if what you're doing, if it aligns with what you genuinely want. And I think it's so good to always have, you know, people in your corner that you can openly talk to about whatever, you know, personal moves you decide to make or career moves because it definitely helps for sure. So that's great that you had her in your corner. 
Absolutely. Um, now, before making the transition, were there any myths or assumptions people had about you going into the nonprofit industry? Oh, yes. So many. People still have those perceptions now. Um, you know, I think, uh, I mean, obviously a big one is just um, how would I live? Like financially, how would I live, right? So going from insurance to nonprofit, I obviously did take a pay cut when I did that. Um, and, you know, I had, I remember when I told one friend, oh, you know, I got a job at this nonprofit. I'm going to work for nonprofit. She's like, oh, how are you going to pay for rent? <laughs> like, what does that look like? You know, and I remember asking, um, so what are your hours going to look like? Like, do you work part time? Like, literally had no perception of what that looks like and I was like no I, I you know not that all just a change I'm still gonna work uh I should say normal hours however I, I work a lot more because I'm very passionate about the work uh, I'm still gonna have benefits and I'm super lucky that our benefits up or, um, year up are just phenomenal um you know I'm still gonna have a consistent salary and opportunities to be able to increase that salary as I grow um, within the organization and so there's definitely myths around what that would look like and obviously for myself I did a lot of budgeting before I made that leap so that I knew what parts of my life I did need to adjust in order to um be able to continue to be financially stable um but there was there was definitely a lot of myths around even you're gonna just be so stretched and doing like every job you're gonna be doing hr and operations and um recruitment like there's you're not just gonna be doing one thing like a nonprofit. you're kind of your hands on everything which mm-hmm. um at some nonprofits and organizations that's absolutely true um and i was really intentional in knowing that's not what i wanted i wanted to um, more be able to really become an expert in a functional area when i first started at, um at year up and um that's part of what really drew me to the organization is it was, uh, you know, a national organization that had um, a lot of uh, really clear uh, stability in terms of how it operated with different functional teams and functional roles. Um, and uh, that, for me, um, is what helps really get me excited for this opportunity and kind of, like, push away the, like, myths that people were trying to <laughs> bring into me yeah. um, to make me a little fearful of making that move. Nice. Now, I know earlier you mentioned how you set aside work blocks, and I know that this is your passion. So sometimes you are, you know, working after hours on different projects and things for work. So knowing all these myths and assumptions that people had about like how your time will be spent and, you know, pay and everything. Do you, how do you consciously make an effort to stay authentic and true to your personal values and not only set work blocks, but set personal blocks for yourself? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Um, you know, I'll admit that that's something I'm still working on. Um, I have always, even when I work in insurance, I've always had um, trouble balancing work and life. Uh, I get, I'm very, very driven and um, I... I really just commit like 150% of myself to everything that I do. Um, and so what that means is when I'm in a really busy time where there's a lot happening, it can be really difficult for me to walk away from it because I want to get it done, you know, on time and of high quality. Um, and then in addition, something I've always struggled with is saying no. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as people would ask, hey, Johnson, do you want to try this project? Or, hey, let me be part of this. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, and what I've learned over time is like saying yes to everything is just not sustainable. Um, and so that's something I continue to work on and I think I've gotten a lot better at or saying like, um, yes, I'm interested and not at this time or, um, you know, yes and maybe in two months, you know, given being really mindful of what's on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for me in the workplace, you know, I set those work blocks so that I 
understand and know, okay, for me, as I mentioned, I'm a morning person, so my best thinking happens in the morning. And so I try and we'll set some time in the morning um, when I get into the office to actually bang out some larger projects, whereas, like, kind of, for me, uh, more mindless work, so things like just replying to emails, I'll try and do that later on uh, in the day because that's when my brain starts to get a little bit more murky. Um, and then in my personal life, one thing, especially when I moved out to the Bay Area, that I really wanted to commit myself to was to, again, making sure that I was getting better at balancing work and life. And so one thing that brings me joy outside of work is just being with friends and family. Like that, connecting with people means so much to me. Meeting with people means so much to me. And so uh, the ways that I've done that is I, I will book dinners or coffee with people after work and so that pushes me out of the office right mm-hmm. um because i also don't want to i'm not someone who like makes plans and then it's just like well sorry i'm not gonna go i have to stay late at work like if i made a plan i'm gonna leave and show up for that those plans nice. and so that's really helped push me as i you know book dinners with different friends and mentors and new people i'm meeting out in the community and um, that really pushes me and allows me to like step away from the office and then be present in a new space um, around people that i love getting to know and be, be with I love that. I have to actually practice that as well, because I'm the same way. Like when I moved here, it's like you want to immerse yourself with all the different people here and get familiar with the area. So it's like, yes, yes, yes. I want to see everything. I want to do everything. So I definitely can connect with that for sure. And um, I know when we sat down, I explained to you like I'm a creative And when we chatted, I explained to how, like, my personal long-term goal is to be, like, a creative director or producer within the tech, media, or beauty industry. And I also shared one of the reasons why I'm interested in pursuing this goal is because I want to be able to share, like, the various resources and opportunities that are available for people. And more importantly, just, like, share, like, a positive image of how um, our culture, minorities, or people of color... Um, that are doing meaningful positions and making a difference. And I started taking those steps towards that goal and um, created outside projects such as this podcast. Um, So I'm curious, like outside of work, what keeps you passionate and motivated about helping others? Mm, That's a good question. Um, So I think for me, I'm the oldest of four. And or my, the big bad mean one is my siblings sometimes tell me. <laughs> um, no, we're we're very close. But um, I have always loved again helping other people realize their potential. And so even when I was younger, as I was learning things in math class, my brother right below me, I was teaching him what I was learning because I just was like, let me tell. This is great. Um, and so actually, by the time I got to high school, he was in like one of the same AP classes as me, which was awkward because he was two years younger but um I just always like had this passion for helping others like achieve what they want and um sharing the knowledge that I've learned with others and um so I think that has carried on with me throughout my entire life um you know when I went to college and as I mentioned I was an orientation leader helping people acclimate to a new space um, I was a resident assistant um so again helping people acclimate to their, their residence hall where they're going to be living um I was a president's host meaning I gave tour guides around campus to help people understand the community that I was in and how much I loved that and then when I went into insurance and then now nonprofit, very similar where it's you know even to work at the insurance company, um, some of the things that we even had on site outside of volunteering, um, I was always looking for opportunities to help people um, uh, uh, understand the opportunities that were out there for them and help them understand, like, how great they were. Um, and so I think 
when I'm not at your up, um, I can find additional ways to give back to the community um, and kind of really stay motivated and passionate and remember why I do this work every day. Um, and so, you know, right now I'm currently involved in the National Coalition of 100 Black Women. Mm-hmm. And we do work um, all around uh, the Oakland and Bay Area community um, to specifically work with our young women around the community to help them feel empowered and understand that the potential that they have to be successful. Um, I also uh, do some work with the Junior League of Oakland as well, um, who again is focused on, uh, you know, all woman group focused on giving back to community and in all different aspects um, of health and wellness Um to make sure that our young people, as well as our um, community, right, as a whole, um, has what they need to uh, be sustainable um, and live, you know, uh, healthy and and strong lives. And so for me, um, the ability for me to give back not only in my everyday work at your app, but also outside of work constantly reminds me um, of why I do what I do. Um, I also just love reading um, and understanding the different stories that people have had and the different struggles people have had, the different opportunities people have had to get to where they are. And so um, doing that, a lot of that reading always humbles me and always reminds me how lucky I am and the privilege that I've had and the mentors that I've had um, that have helped get me to where I am today and the family that I've had. You know, I, I feel very lucky in so many different aspects. And so I'm always, even when sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I had this, or I wish I had that, mm-hmm. um, I remember how much I have that others haven't. And so I always love to figure out ways that I can share that. Um, and that's what really just keeps me, like, hungry and motivated. And for me, that's just so rewarding is to see um, – someone else who uh, hasn't had that mentor that I benefit from me being able to share that wisdom that someone else shared with me and pass that down. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. Now, what can we be on the lookout for from Adanta? Are you currently working on any big projects or looking forward to anything exciting? Yes, I would say um, there's two things that are, that are kind of exciting. So one is um, at work. Um, my organization, so my site that I oversee, we launched um, the fall of 2017 uh, with, with um, one learning community, as we call it, at Year Up. And we just found out uh, about two weeks ago that we were just approved to grow my site by 50% um, for next fall 2019. So that is really exciting. And so uh, we're already starting to do a lot of the planning and the hiring and um, recruiting young people. We're going to have 80 young people uh, next fall who are going to be part of our site uh, in the East Bay out in Pleasant Hill. Um, so that is really exciting. So that is kind of the big project that uh, myself I'm leading in partnership with my whole team um, to make sure that we're ready to bring in new young people and to hire uh, and to continue doing great work um, so that yeah that's just I like am so proud uh, and then the other is uh, I'm currently part of a fellowship called the Search Institute mm-hmm. and the Search Institute um, it's a one-year fellowship for leaders of color um, in Oakland and in the Chicago area and it's focused on helping increase the talent pipeline of leaders so that more the leaders specifically in the education nonprofit and public sectors look more like the young people that they're serving in the community um, and I started this uh, this past fall of September, and so my cohort, we meet once a month um, for a full day of session. We actually just had a session last night, or I should say yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, and we finished last night, and um, that is such an amazing opportunity that I've been given. Um, when we talk about mentorship and leaders and being inspired by people who look like you and have uh, experiences uh, and share experiences similar to you, um, 
that's what the Surge Fellowship is for me. It is a safe and sacred place where I get to go once a month and I get to learn and I get to challenge myself and question my thinking and push myself and um, be surrounded by so much love and support and mentorship. Um, and that is something to look out for um, because Surge is growing um, not only in Oakland, not only in Chicago, they now have a Kansas location and there are so many amazing leaders coming out of Surge um, that are doing great things around the country. So um, I hope to continue to uh, role model what so many of the Surge Fellows are doing and to continue to do well as we um, serve our communities. Wow, that is dope. I had no idea that type of thing even existed. How does someone even get involved with something like Surge? Yeah, I mean, so mine came through my network. So a colleague of mine in Chicago, one of her community partners, went through Surge and told her to do it. And we are very close. And she said, hey, I think they have a Chicago office. You should look into it. And so that's how I initially heard about it. Um, Surge, uh, every year they'll do um, an event to help people come and learn more about the organization. And so, like, for myself and for I know the other fellows who are part of Surge, we'll be kind of spreading the word throughout our networks to help people Um get to know about the opportunity um, but it is very new in Oakland so we're the second cohort in Oakland um, so I think it's still building its reputation and its brand in, o- in Oakland uh, but, uh, just doing such amazing work so it's, it's really such like a privilege to be a part uh, of such um, an amazing movement. Wow, that is dope. And you know, Chicago is home for me. So yes. that definitely yes. that that hits a note for me. So that's, that's really amazing. And um, maybe I can probably reach out to someone from Surge and interview them for the podcast as well, because absolutely. it's no, good absolutely. to just let the community know what's out there and what's accessible for us all. So that is great. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, so I will conclude the podcast on a light note by introducing uh, three questions geared toward providing like a fun call to action or takeaway for listeners. I really like to do this. This is my favorite part of the show. So um, I'm going to jump right into the questions. And the first question that I have for you is, what is one thing that you have observed that has become a common trend among people that you would like to challenge people to do or think about differently for one week? Ooh, a common trend. Um, so one thing we've been talking a lot about, uh, actually in the Surge Fellowship, um, and also at my office, is in our society, we it's part of our vernacular now to say, you guys. Right, like you guys, you guys, fun fact, you guys, this, you guys, let me tell you that. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things when we think about gender and how we are so binary when we think about gender in our society, you know, men and women, um, and when we think also about uh, equity and even just uh, when we think about our society and where, when we look at pay with men and, and other um, genders. One thing that we've been challenging ourselves in both of those spaces is to really push ourselves not to say you guys. And to really, because even in a room sometimes of all women, we, we have a tendency to say, hey, you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so really pushing ourselves to actually take that out of our vernacular and out of our verbiage and say, like, um, all of you or y'all or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but really challenging ourselves in that way and so that is my challenge to everyone um i am still working on that myself um and i think that's something as a society the more and more we can push ourselves not only in the bay area but throughout the country to um really understand that 
you know, gender is, is not binary. If we can just push ourselves to realize that, to think that, um, I think that will help our society progress even more um, than where we are today. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. Cause I do find myself saying that a lot and it just seems normal. And it's like, it isn't just guys here. It's it's more than that here. That, yeah. So that, yeah, we're all going to have to work on that for sure. So uh, what general advice or resources can you share with us that can be useful for someone who is interested in making a career switch or interested in helping others like books, websites or services you use or offer? Mm, yeah. Um, so there's a few different ones. So one um, is I really enjoy podcasts mm-hmm. and just learning about different people's pathways. Um, and so one of my favorite podcasts that I've been enjoying listening to is How I Built This. Yes. And asked, yes. And, you know, it'll talk a lot about, um, you know, uh, 1-800-JUNK and, um, you know, Jenny's Ice Cream and how Aubon Pond's Entrepreneur got started and Wayfair. And, and so just listening to the different pathways and stories that these people that we now say, like, oh, you know, they just, they're, you know, they, we never knew about this organization and now they're famous, so they're doing amazing things, but being able to actually hear, like, their struggles and their opportunities and their wins and how they gained mentors and um, how they were shut down, like, to me, that has really been inspiring and really, and hearing how many of them actually switched careers, right, or their parents wanted them to do one thing, and then they ended up doing something completely different. I think that motivates me to understand, like, hey, if we're actually doing what we're passionate about, that's where we're all going to be the most successful in our lives and the happiest, right? Um, and so that's one podcast that I just like, love listening to. Yes. Um, I think um, when I think about like when I was making a transition, um, just doing a lot of research on the transition I'm looking into and also getting really clear on uh, uh, what's important to you with that transition. So as I mentioned, like for me, I knew I wanted to go to nonprofit, but then I started getting used for final. There's so many nonprofits that do so much amazing work. So for me, I knew that what was exciting for me was to empower young people. And then I started saying, okay, uh, what age range do I work with for young people? And where do I want the organization to be? You know, do I want to be one that's been around for decades or one that's uh, newer, more of a startup mode? Um, and so the more you can refine that, that then allowed me to do a ton of research around different organizations and then actually use my network. So I actually remember going onto LinkedIn and typing in year up and seeing what popped up. And that's where I saw, wow, this professor that I TA'd for in college actually used to do some consulting work for year up when they first started. And then I was able to reach out to her and then start to have some information on interviews through that. Um, I think for uh, different books uh, when making that transformation transition, um, so one that I actually think about, and we actually, this is top of mind because we just did this for Surge uh, yesterday, and I've done this a few times, is Strength Finders. Um, and Strength Finders helps you, you actually do this online exam, or I should say assessment, not exam, and it helps you understand um, your five primary strengths of how you show up in a workplace. And I think the more that you can understand the strengths that you bring, both in your personal and professional life, that can help you understand what type of work is going to play to your natural strengths and abilities, right? And so I think um, being able to read and kind of understand who you are and what type of work will align with the strengths can help you start to identify, okay, this this uh, life transition I'm looking to make, is that who is that something I truly want for myself or I do not for someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is uh, just an assessment slash book, right? Because it's a book that follows it that I would just really encourage people 
um, to take a look at as well. Yeah, I I love that, especially uh, the how I built this podcast. That was when it was like a light bulb went on for me. I'm like, wow, these people, it puts it into perspective. It's like these people are just like me. They had an idea and all they did was they, they went for it. And then I love how you said you used your network. Like that was something that I learned within this year as well. Like even from like this whole podcast journey, Um, I want, I had this big idea of like yeah I'm going to interview all these big companies and I, I just had a really you know a big idea for it and it was like well you have to start somewhere before you pitch to you know bigger companies and interviewing those bigger companies and I had to start within my network like the first person that I interviewed for my podcast was my best friend so I really love like how you how you said utilize your network see who you can build with that is around who you can build with that's around you and um you know, constantly research for things that you may be interested in. Like, I think those are all very, you know, valid things for us to all practice. If you're looking to, you know, make a shift with life or career, that's, that's great. (laughs) So the last question that I have for you is a pop question. Um, and you're going to have five seconds to answer this. So are you ready for this question? I'm ready. Here we go. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, how would you describe the culture of the nonprofit industry to someone who is blind? Uh, it is an industry that is really passionate. Um, it is uh, really warm. Um, it is really focused. It's hardworking. Um, and it's, for me, one of the best places to be. You went a little bit over five seconds, but I'll give it to you because <laughs> those were great responses. You were going, you were going too good, and I'm like, okay, I can't interrupt her. Like this is good. <laughs> but uh, that's all the questions that I have for you, Adonta. Thank you so much for just giving me the time to sit down and chat with you when we met up for tea, and even just like making time in your busy schedule to even just speak with me. I really appreciate it so much. Oh my gosh, thank you. Thank you. This was such a blast. I really appreciate you thinking of me and reaching out. uh, You're doing such amazing work and I'm so excited for what's to come in your future. You've reached the end of another episode of the Not Your Average Culture podcast. I think some key takeaways from this episode is Adanta's experience as she made a career transition from the insurance industry into the nonprofit industry. She mentioned some important points about consulting with her network before she made the move. She also talked about how her mentors and her friends and family asked her about her current lifestyle and how she would feel if she had to change her lifestyle. And that challenged her to do some research before actually making the career switch to make sure that she had everything that she was looking for before taking the dive into the new field. So I thought that was some great insight to have, which is to do your research before making the switch. And also consult with your network or mentors or people who are already in the industry you are pursuing. So that way you can get an idea of what you are getting yourself into. And hello, I think the most important thing she shared with us, which sparked us to connect in the first place, was the Year Up program. I think if you are between the ages of 18 to 24 or know someone between that age, I highly encourage you all to check it out. I will include the link in the show notes so you can get more details about the program and eligibility 
directly from their website. And last but not least, let's all try the culture challenge and use more gender neutral terms and be considerate of others. That's all I have for this week. Be sure to share this episode with others you never know who may be interested in how they can benefit from this podcast. And remember to rate this podcast or leave me a comment and let me know your thoughts about the show thus far. Peace, love, and everything in between. I'm out. Mm-hmm.